Jesus is really good at attracting people to himself. He knows exactly how to reach each person's heart, how to captivate both men and women, old and young alike. He knows how to draw souls into his influence and then lead them to become fully committed, lifelong disciples, totally on fire with the love of God. He is, as Pope St. Paul VI once put it, the first and greatest evangelizer. But if that's all true, which it is, then we may wonder, well, what on earth is going on in our gospel today? In the story that we just heard, Jesus seems to be intentionally pushing this poor Canaanite woman away. Rather than attracting her to himself and leading her deeper into the fold, he appears, at least on a superficial level, to be repelling her, even deliberately discouraging her from coming any closer to him. We first hear her cry out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And to our shock, Jesus just ignores her. Still, she continues to implore him, to the point that Jesus' disciples even start to complain. She keeps calling out after us, Jesus, send her away. She's annoying. At this, the Lord seems to build a barrier between himself and the woman. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This Canaanite woman is an outsider. She's not Jewish. And Jesus emphasizes this distinction. Even so, she persists. This time, bowing down before him and saying, Lord, help me. Jesus responds to this poignant cry of a mother's heart for her daughter with what looks like a cold shoulder at best or an insult at worst. It is not right to take the food of the children, he says, and throw it to the dogs. I've read a couple of books on evangelization, on how to share the gospel, and nowhere in there will you find, and this is when you call someone a dog. And yet, even at this, she absolutely refuses to quit. She says, please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. And only at these words, these amazing, humble words, do the walls come crumbling down, and Christ now replies to her directly with one of the warmest, most dignified, most positive divine responses to any human being recorded in the entire scriptures. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you 
as you wish. My question for this woman is, why did she stick it out? Why didn't she just run away in tears when Jesus seemed to reject her at first? Wasn't this whole situation exactly the opposite of everything we think we know about what good evangelization looks like? Shouldn't Jesus be more welcoming? Shouldn't Jesus be more friendly? Shouldn't Jesus roll out the red carpet for her? And that all has its time and place, for sure. That is true, so far as it goes. But perhaps we can unpack this story to get at something even deeper. Usually when we hear the word evangelization, we think of marketing techniques we start to ask ourselves, okay, so how can we brand the gospel so as to get people's attention? So we begin to work out ways that we can make the gospel of Jesus Christ as easy to swallow as possible for as many people as possible. And in a word, we kind of believe that it is up to us to present the truth of Jesus Christ in the least offensive way possible. We think that that is all up to us, that that is the way that people will be inspired to follow the Lord. If we can only show them that it's not so weird after all, that it's not so hard after all, that it's not so countercultural after all. The gospel can become a package to sell, a product to move off the shelves. It becomes something that, that we need to work hard in order to persuade people to buy. But notice what lurks behind that assumption. First of all, it's all about us. Second of all, there is the mistaken notion that the gospel just isn't all that attractive in the first place. That it actually needs some fine-tuning before the ordinary person on the street could ever possibly be interested in it. And my brothers and sisters, that is a huge lie. That is a big, fat lie from the depths of hell. And this beautiful and confusing and and confounding encounter with the Canaanite woman proves that it is simply not the case that we have to work so hard to make the gospel attractive. So what do we learn from this interaction? Simply put, that the person of Jesus Christ is objectively, even irresistibly, attractive. He did not need to bend over backwards to win this woman's attention or her admiration. He did not need to soften his message or make it easier for her to swallow. He simply needed to be himself. And his holiness, his divinity, pulsated and overflowed in such a way that she was almost held there 
in awe of this person. She recognized that he was God come in the flesh. She recognized that he was king of her heart. That he had an absolute claim on her soul, on reality itself. And so given all of that, yeah, she was more than willing to put up with being rejected, it seems. Even pushed away to a certain extent because Jesus' presence was so deeply alluring, so clearly convincing, and so terribly interesting. In a way, you might even say that Jesus was playing hard to get. And this just filled the woman with an even greater curiosity and faith to seek what he clearly had to offer her. We've all had an experience kind of like this, I think. We want what we cannot have. It's part of the human DNA. If something is too easy to get, then maybe it's not worth getting, we think. Nothing turns us off more than a desperate salesman who is trying way too hard. We get suspicious, don't we? We start to think, well, what, what is this person pulling over on me? Does he even believe in the product he's trying to sell me. Jesus, on the other hand, is not a desperate salesman. He knows what we need. He knows what we want. And he is infinitely interesting. And while the grace he offers is totally free to us, it certainly isn't cheap. It costs the cross. It demands something of each one of us as well. It requires the test of love. I wonder sometimes if one of the biggest reasons why people today don't seem very interested in following the Lord or even believing in God is that we Christians come across as trying too hard. We exert so much of our effort in making the gospel easier to follow, easier to believe, and we end up making it not worth believing in. We turn Jesus into a generally nice guy, a decent spiritual teacher, that if you happen to get around to it, eventually you should consider looking into, maybe, if you have time, but maybe not. And in so doing, we make him into kind of a soft, squishy, easy, lame God that quite rightly nobody bothers to follow. The real Jesus, the Jesus depicted in the Gospels and proclaimed by the Catholic Church down through the centuries, is wild and untamed. He is unpredictable like the wind. He's breathlessly alive. He promises us eternity, and he demands total allegiance. He says, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no life within you. He speaks of the narrow, hard, crucified way that leads up to heaven. He points out to us the broad and well-paved path that leads down to hell. 
He harnesses the winds and the waves. He effortlessly casts out demons. He eats meals with outcasts, the last people on the earth that he should have been eaten with, or so people thought. He speaks truth to those in power. He commands the dead to be raised. He boldly names your sins and my sins, and he boldly forgives them as well. He is our intimate friend. He is our intimate God walking among us. That is who the Canaanite woman approaches today in our gospel. The real, living, terrifyingly beautiful Jesus. It takes humility and guts to approach such a Jesus, but it's well worth it. The church's mission is to share the truth about this Jesus with the entire world, starting with our families, our friends, our co-workers, our acquaintances, the people that you run into at Panera when you go out to lunch after Mass. We go out and share that radical Jesus, that beautiful and interesting Jesus. And we would do well to just let him be himself, his true, shocking self. He is, after all, the first and the greatest evangelizer. And though his methods often defy all of our worldly expectations, they work. They actually reach people's hearts and call them to conversion. We don't need to smooth out the edges, those seemingly sharp edges of our gospel proclamation in order to win hearts. In fact, I believe just the opposite. Let Christ be Christ. Let the church be the church. I believe that if we do that, following the Holy Spirit's lead, doing all things in love, then we can firmly trust that our risen and beautifully interesting Lord will gather all people to himself.